if the person submitting the inquiry didn't buy from them straight up, and this is a high value, a high ticket product that we're talking about, you know, sort of seven to ten thousand dollars at an entry point, there was no nurturing going on. Like these leads, I'm not kidding. These these leads, if the people hadn't bought something straight up from the initial contact, there was there was ze- literally zero follow up. It's not like they were added to a database and only got an email. Sometimes they weren't added to a database. They weren't given follow up phone calls. There was nothing going on. Like there was. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the mashup. Um, it's always really nice to have you guys joining me and listening in, and, and hopefully getting something good out of um, out of what we're talking about. It's um, winter's finally here where we live. I think I've probably mentioned this a couple of times, but we live in this beautiful little um, part of the world called Foster, which is on the Barrington coast. In New South Wales, Australia, about three and a half hours north of Sydney. And it's like, it's a beachside holiday place, not to rub it in um, for, for all of you too much, but it's this really gorgeous part of the world with beaches and um, it's it's really lovely here. And the weather is, is fabulous most of the year round, but winter's found us and it's cold at the moment. So we're all kind of rugged up and I'm sitting here in my Ugg boots and, and my hoodie and um, and I haven't got a beanie on today, but it's not far away that it's going to be beanie weather as well. So wherever you are, I hope it's nice and warm for you because I'm a real warm warm weather person. You know, I don't mind the cold sometimes. It's nice, you know, it's nice with all the big warm clothes that you can, that you can get and, you know, it's nice to go shopping for jackets and scarves and all of those really nice kind of winter clothes, but at heart, I'm I'm a warm weather guy. Um, I like the beach. I like swimming. I like being outdoors and doing outdoorsy stuff, and I like doing it when the weather's nice and warm. So we probably only have a couple of months of really cool weather, even just a couple of weeks ago. Like we're right in the middle of winter now, um, and even just a couple of weeks ago, it was shorts and T-shirts weather, walking around during the daytime and getting a bit cool at night, you know, put the heater on a bit at night time. But now it's cold in the day as well. So anyway, life update from Simon at Orbit Marketing. So today I wanted to talk about lead nurturing. It's something that I do talk about from time to time, um, but some, I, I'm, I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be, but I'm always surprised at how little lead nurturing seems to go on sometimes. You know, we had um, we had a, a new client, well, a previous client come back uh, to start running another campaign with us. And the previous campaign generated a whole, you know, host of really good leads um, and inquiries for them. But when we kind of scratched the surface a little bit and we were looking into, you know, how well the campaign performed and what was the return on investment and, you know, how can we improve it? They, if, if, if the person submitting the inquiry didn't buy from them straight up, and this is a high value, a high ticket product that we're talking about, you know, sort of seven to $10,000 at an entry point, there was no nurturing going on. Like these leads, 
I'm not kidding. These these leads, if the people hadn't bought something straight up from the initial contact, there was there was ze- literally zero follow up. It's not like they were added to a database and only got an email. Sometimes they weren't added to a database. They weren't given follow up phone calls. There was nothing going on. Like there was nothing going on, and the amount of money that was spent to acquire those leads. Right, so it's the fee that gets paid to us, which is not astronomical, but it's you've got to take it into consideration. There's the cost of the advertising spend, then there's you know the 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 cost of your team who are kind of sitting around thinking, well, we'd really like for them to be busier. All of this has already been spent. Like this money has been paid out already. So to follow up these leads with, you know, regular email nurturing or with a phone call or with an SMS or with whatever type of follow-up. And that's, we're going to talk about some different types of follow-up and some different ways that you can nurture those leads and, and what should be included in that nurturing. We're going to talk about that stuff today. But that's, it doesn't really cost anything. You know, if you're sending out regular emails, it's virtually free except for the time that you spend prepping them. Um, If you use a copywriter, then you pay the copywriting fee. But it's not like there's an extra cost for every single lead, you know, like there is with advertising. Basically, it basically costs you to generate leads. Once you've got them, nurture them. If you're using SMS and there's a really minor cost per message or per message segment if you send long messages, but it's minor, it's almost insignificant compared to the cost of generating those leads in the first place. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. I wanted to talk about what does lead nurturing look like? What's the purpose? How do you go about doing it? How do you do it in a way that's not really intrusive? Because when we start talking to people about nurturing their leads, one of the things that they say is, oh, we don't want to be really intrusive. We don't want to be popping up in people's inboxes all the time and you know they'll get the shits and they won't want to hear from us and then they won't buy anything from us. Well, newsflash, if they don't hear from you, they're definitely not buying anything from you, right? Definitely. That's the thing that, that you can guarantee. If you generate that lead and then you never contact that person again, they're not buying from you, right? They're probably going to buy from someone else because if they submitted an inquiry with you, they have almost certainly submitted an inquiry with somebody else. And that somebody else probably is following up. And so there's, there's two, I guess, competitors that you need to be concerned about when you've got a lead and they haven't bought from you straight away. The first one is whoever else they've submitted inquiries to and those people are probably following. Well, maybe they're not. Like maybe you can put yourself ahead of the game by following up, but it's possible that the other company's following up with them. And the biggest competitor is inaction or apathy, right? So you've got a lead, you've rung the person, they didn't answer the phone or they answered the phone and they kind of weren't really interested right at that moment. And so you forgot about them. In three months time or six months time, there's a really good chance that they still haven't bought anything. And so, right. So apathy and inaction is one of your biggest competitors. It's not that they bought from someone else. It's just they they might not have bought anything at all. And they're still kind of in the market. 
And all they need from you is a little bit of nurturing um, to show them that whatever their problem is that they've got can genuinely be solved and that you're the one to solve it or whatever goals they've got can genuinely be achieved and you're the one to help them get there. If you're doing that, then you can move them or you can move that needle from inaction to action. And if you can do that, then that sort of 5% or maybe 10% of the market that's ready to buy now, you can increase that conversion rate from that 5% or 10% to maybe 20%. And even if it's only that, you've doubled the return that you're getting on the amount of money that you've already spent for basically no extra spend. So why wouldn't you want to do that? So my point up, my point is make sure if you're going to be generating leads that you've got some structured, purposeful, and intentional plan for how you're going to nurture the people that don't buy from you. Because that's where the serious money is. Right? I mean, think about it. If you generate 100 leads and five, maybe 10 of those people are ready to buy now, then by investing some time and effort in the other 90 of them, you don't need to convert a lot of them in order for that to be like a genuinely profitable exercise. And that's what we see not happening is everybody's so focused on that 5 or 10% that want to buy now, they're competing with everybody else who's focused on that 5 or 10% who want to buy now, and they're not putting the time and the effort into the other 90%. So how do you do that? Well, there's a, there's a few different ways. Now, most of us, most of us listening to this podcast um, are probably familiar with what happens when you give a business your email address because you opted in for something. Maybe you inquired and then you didn't buy it, or maybe they were advertising this really cool ebook or checklist or something that was going to help you solve a problem, and you thought, "I really want that." You put your email address in and your name. You maybe even put your phone number in if you were super motivated and 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 their offer was really compelling. And then you get smashed, right? Your inbox fills up with all of these buy this, buy that messages from this company and they're screaming at you louder and louder and louder to buy something and it's urgent and, you know, time's running out and this offer's going to close. And eventually you just get jack of it and you unsubscribe from their email list. That's not what lead nurturing is. That's what spam is, right? And we've all done it. Um, you know, in terms of opting in and, and receiving that stuff. And then we've all unsubscribed from somebody's list and thought, I'm never going to buy something from that company. That's not nurturing. That's spamming. That's not what we're talking about. Or it is. We're talking about that's how you don't do it, right? Don't spam people. The idea with nurturing is exactly that. It's nurturing. It's something that's useful and it's helpful and it's helping that person grow or it's helping them get a bit closer to the desired outcome. So when you run your advertising campaign, you're using some kind of offer or some kind of hook or something to attract that person to make an inquiry. And typically you're offering to solve a problem for them, right? So um, in our case, the problem that we offer to solve is that you haven't got any leads, you haven't got enough customers, you're not making enough money or you're losing money and you're losing sleep and you're really stressed and you think, God, I don't know where my next lead's going to come from. We offer 
to solve that problem. So when somebody makes an inquiry, if they're not ready yet, if they haven't got the budget to work with us or they just haven't got some processes in place or they don't have like a follow-up process in place and they think, oh, we're just not quite ready yet, then the goal of our nurturing that we put them into isn't to continue saying, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Do you want to buy now? That's not the goal and that's not how it works. The goal is to help them get ready. So the goal is for you, think about what's the problem that your ideal customer has? Where are they right now? And what's the and what are you selling? Like what's the dream outcome that you're selling? You know, if you're uh, I, I always use the example of the physiotherapist because I really like it, you know. Um, if you're a physio and your ideal or a chiropractor or something like that, and your ideal customer is George, you know, George has got a really sore back and it's preventing George from doing the things that he loves. The dream outcome is to not have that pain, that literal pain, and to be able to, you know, play golf or play with the grandkids or go surfing or do whatever it is that George wants to do, right? That's the dream outcome. So your nurturing sequence, when George makes an inquiry and he's like, oh, I'm just not quite ready yet, or, you know, if it's Sam and Sam's going to sell the house and the dream that you're selling as a real estate agent is, I'm going to get you the best possible price so that not only can you buy that dream house that you want, but you're going to have money left over for a holiday. Oh my goodness. That's the dream outcome. That's what you're selling. And in that moment, the person makes that inquiry. That's just all they're thinking about. So you're, so you're nurturing needs to give them some practical, actionable tips, advice, steps, processes that they can take to get them closer to that dream outcome. Little ones, one at a time. You don't want to overwhelm people. You don't want to give them so much information that dealing with that is harder than just staying where they are. So think about where they are now and think about what's that dream outcome that you're selling and identify four or five little steps that people can take to bridge that gap, right? To close the gap. In marketing, that's one of the things that's talked about, closing the gap. It's the gap between where they are now and where they want to be, where you're telling them you can help them get to. Four or five little steps. And then your nurturing sequence gives them whatever it is that they need in order to take each of those steps. If you're sending emails, then one email helps them take one of those steps. And it might be that you send them a checklist. So using the example of the real estate agent, in order to get the best possible price for their home, the first thing they probably should do is look at decluttering, right? So if people are coming through the house and they can't visualize themselves living in it, it's going to be more difficult for the property to get a really good offer. So Maybe here's a decluttering checklist. So you send them an email that says, step one is to declutter your home a little bit. And it might feel really weird taking your personal things out, but that's what's going to help you get the best price. And here's a step-by-step checklist in order to do that. Um, I'm not a real estate agent. I don't know what all of the steps are going to be, but um, another one of the steps might be to make sure that your home looks as nice as it can from the front. And so here might be a process that you can follow, like street appeal, right? Here might be a process that you can follow in order for your home to have the best possible street appeal. And then it might be around choosing the right agent. 
And, you know, what are some questions that you should be asking your real estate agent? And here's something that you can use in order to approach them. That might be the third one. So each one is getting them a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer to that outcome. And then once you've taken the time, three or four maybe of those emails to really build some trust and build some authority, then it's time to kind of make a pitch, right? To make some kind of offer, which is going to help that person take the last step. And it could be, if you're a service provider, you probably want to get them on a phone call or you probably want to have a meeting with them, you know, so you can analyze exactly what they need and then make a tailored offer. But your, but the, the service that you offer, the paid service that you offer should just fill that little gap at the end So once they've taken the first few steps, they're kind of going to realize that, well, there's something missing, right? There's something missing that they don't have a particular set of skills that you've got that's going to make that whole process quicker, easier, smoother, more effective. But once you've given them some of those steps along the way and built some trust and built some authority, you've earned the right to then say, hey, why don't we jump on a call and see what we can do about helping you flesh that plan out make some sort of promise about what they'll get, even if they don't do business with you. So, you know, again, using ourselves as the example, we'll do a 30-minute phone call, we'll do a 30-minute planning session, where at the end of that session, we will, guaranteed, offer some insights that are going to help whoever's on the call with us improve their marketing, get better results, whether they choose to work with us or not. So that's the guaranteed payoff for them investing their time in that call. If it makes sense after that for us to, you know, look at working together, great, we will. If it doesn't, we won't. Um, But guaranteed they'll get some insights. We've almost never had a call with somebody that we weren't able to offer some kind of um, advice or tips or insights that they can use to improve what they're already doing in their marketing. We're pretty good at that kind of stuff. So thinking about your business, your ideal customer, their dream outcome what are the steps that they need to take in order to get from where they are to their dream outcome? How can you help them, no strings attached, take those little steps? And then what's the offer that you can make that's going to deliver value for them, whether they work with you or not, to get them onto that call? That's for you as a service provider. If you're selling a physical product, then you know the, the nurturing sequence might be a little bit different. But for service providers, if you're... Um, you know, if you're in the home improvement space, we work with lots of businesses in that space. If you're in the home improvement space, or if you're delivering a professional service to another business, right, you're a B2B services provider, like an accounting service. Um, You know, you might be offering legal services to businesses. Um, You might be offering them to individuals too. But if you're a service provider, where are people now? What's the dream outcome? And what are those little steps along the way that you can genuinely help them make so that they start to look at you as an authority, so somebody who really knows their stuff, somebody who's delivered value and hasn't asked them to buy anything yet. You're not spamming them. You're just delivering really great value. So you're earning the right to then make a pitch to get them onto that call. And if your if your service offering is a high ticket service, and we're talking about anything probably over five hundred dollars or any kind of um, like subscription service or membership based service or or monthly recurring fee 
type service, then that's considered a high ticket item. And you probably want to try and sell that on a call where you've got the opportunity to troubleshoot, you know, to, to actually ask a lot of questions and diagnose what's going on with that person that they need help with and then propose a meaningful solution. You don't just want to come straight out and say, well, this is the service we provide and you should buy it. Um, it might not be appropriate. You know, you, you want to take the time to get to understand the actual problem, specific problem before you propose a solution. So email nurturing, the highest return on investment marketing channel that there is still with returns anywhere from sort of 30 to 40 to one is what's been quoted by, um, you know, people like HubSpot um, who do a lot of this market research. That's the kind of return on investment that businesses are seeing. Some businesses are obviously getting a zero return because they're either not doing it or they're the ones spamming us all. And so therefore others are making a lot more. So if you can do this well, then the opportunity is there to get a really good return. Now, um, emails typically have really crappy open rates. So if you're sending out regular email communication to people and getting open rates of you know anything more than sort of 35% and click-through rates of 10% or more, you're doing really well. You can still improve that with great headlines, um, with being consistent and being genuine and offering value. But that's that's where that's about where open rates are for things like for, for email marketing. So don't ignore old school text messaging. Um, now, text uh, or SMS marketing is becoming increasingly more popular. It's it's just got more complicated if you're operating in the US or if you're marketing to clients who are located in the US. You've now got to go through a process of having your business approved to send commercial text messaging and then not only have your business approved, but have your use case. So you've got to submit your campaign, how it's going to work, how people opt in, what type of messages you're going to be sending. You've got to have that approved as well. So that's just gotten a, a little bit more complicated, but you can still do it. And it's worth the effort because whilst open rates on email are, yeah, 35%, 40% if you're doing really, really well, open rates on SMS are almost 100%. Like very, very few people will ignore a text message and therefore click-through rates are much higher as well. And so with your SMS marketing, you don't want to try and send the same information that you would send in an email. Firstly, people don't want to read all of that information in a text message. And secondly, it gets expensive because you know, I think there's something like 220 characters or something. And so for every 220 characters, you pay for another message segment. And if you include links, then sometimes you pay extra for that as well. But short, sharp messaging. Um, and it could be something as simple as the first time you send an email to somebody, send them a text. It says, hey, we just sent you an email. Check your spam folder. Um, you know, make sure you add us to your primary inbox and and not your promotional inbox. And that can that in itself can increase your open rates, your email open rates is by letting people know that you've sent them an email and, and there's something really useful in it. Um, use SMS sparingly, but, but you can use it for offers as well. Hey, we just sent you this fantastic offer. Check your email inbox or we just sent you this fabulous offer. Here's a link. So um, SMS marketing gets much better open rates, but you want to use it a little bit more sparingly as part of your nurturing, not necessarily as your entire nurturing, but as part of it. So um, 
when you're building out your strategy, don't forget to include some SMS marketing in there as well. So that's it, gang. Um, Make sure if you're going to the trouble and you're going to the expense of generating leads that you, before you start, you've got a plan in place for how you're going to nurture, how you're going to nurture those people that don't buy from you straight away and how you're going to take that final step to convert them from prospect into paying customer. Now, if that's something that you do want help with, then feel free to reach out to us. You can find us at orbitmarketing.com.au and just kind of submit an inquiry through the website, or you can find us on socials, um, Orbit Marketing Oz on Facebook, Orbit underscore Marketing on Instagram, and drop us a DM. We would love to help you out. Like I said, we do you know, three, uh, a free 30-minute call to help you form up your strategy. Whether you work with us or not, you are going to get some value out of that call, and you are going to get some insights into how you can improve your marketing. So if you want some help with that, would love to give you a hand, reach out for a chat. Otherwise, thanks for joining me again on the mashup, guys, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode. If you're ready to really level up your marketing and explode your leads and sales, reach out for a chat with one of our kick-ass marketing professionals. Find us at orbitmarketing.com.au, themarketingmashup.com.au, Instagram at orbit underscore marketing, Facebook at Orbit Marketing Oz, that's Orbit Marketing OZ, also YouTube, LinkedIn, and now on TikTok.